Welcome to another episode of Breaking the Capsule. Here we open the capsule on several health conditions and concerns that may help you gain knowledge to better your well-being. Uh, today, Ishan is not here because he's at work, but I got with me Anna Bawik. Do I get it right? Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Um, so I'll let her introduce herself before we get into the topic for today. Thanks, Nan. Yep. So my name is Anna Barwick. I'm a uh, registered pharmacist um, with clinical experience and I'm also an accredited pharmacist as well. So I am an academic. Um, I I teach part-time at the University of New England in Armidale, New South Wales. And I I still kind of keep in touch with practice by doing medication reviews um, in both nursing homes and in the home setting as well. And just recently, I've started up a business called Farm Online. So that's P-H-A-R-M Online, uh, which also has a podcast as well, which is how we got in contact, Nan. And it's called... (laughs) Um, indispensable. So uh, between Nan and I, um, we're yeah covering lots of topics. So um, it's really great to be on on the on the podcast today. Yeah, I feel like podcast is a really good platform to um, talk to or educate the general public because it's a very good way to improve everyone's knowledge as well. Um, and um, the reason I got you on today is because. Uh, since the start of our podcast, me and Ishan's been talking a lot about all the general topics, but we haven't really dig deep into women's health. It's because just, I know it's a bit hard for us because we don't have that much experience in that area. And I could see that one of your first few episodes is about uh, women's health on contraceptions, which is one of the very big topics. And there's a lot of talk, different debates around it. So um, I today, I think we should, can talk about um, contraceptions. How do you feel about that? Yes. Um, so the first question is, I suppose, is um, what are the different types of contraceptions available in Australia or even the world that you can tell? tell? Yeah, there's so many, um, particularly for women, um, not so much for men, but we'll talk about that <laughs> a bit later. Um, but obviously, you know, a lot of people know about, you know, barrier methods using things like condoms and diaphragms, um, you know, which are quite effective. Um, but then we have lots of hormonal and also non-hormonal contraceptive options as well. So they come in um, forms like a vaginal ring, um, an IUD or an interuterine device, um, injections, rods, um, and also things like most commonly, I suppose, what we see in Australia and in, and in a lot of places in the world is the oral pill, what we, you know, often known just as the pill. Um, and so there actually are quite a few options available for people that are wanting to manage, um, you know, their, their childbearing, you know, the timing of their having children or having children at all. Um, obviously, having contraception mean that, means that that, um, you know, is, is something that, that people don't have to um, experience if they if they don't wish to um, and it, and often contraceptives are often used for other reasons as well so it might be things like regulating a woman's uh, menstrual cycle or helping with um, side effects or, or you know some symptoms like um, excessive acne um, and really painful periods and those types of things so it's important to know that there is actually different um, kind of reasons for, for different contraceptions and why one might be chosen over another Okay, that's interesting. Uh, do you have any like fun facts or stat about contraceptions? 
Yeah, so, um, well, I suppose, I don't know if it's a fun fact, but a a warning um, that there actually isn't any um, contraceptive option that's 100%. So even with, you know, when we talk about contraceptive options, you know, that often includes things like vasectomy for men or also tubal ligation or or tying the tubes in women. And even that's not 100%. Um, And a lot of the contraceptives that that I've already mentioned actually have a really, really good um, efficacy. Like they're often around 98 to 99% effective. Um, But that's only if they're used exactly as they're meant to be. And that can be really hard, you know, remembering to take a pill every day or within a few hours can be really tricky for some women remembering to change and, you know, and when to update their contraceptive options can, you know, it's easily forgotten. So, um, you know, there's, there is, I suppose, the, the takeaway message is there's no option that is 100% and we need to be aware of that. Um, And I suppose the other thing that I often see in my own practice is a lot of women kind of coming in for contraception um, just after they've had a baby um, and particularly when they're breastfeeding. And so it's really... um, really interesting that often contraceptives aren't actually needed within about um, the first few weeks of of delivering a baby. Um, Often just because there's that natural um, hormonal load that's there that actually helps to prevent that. Um, And a lot of women that are breastfeeding, if they're exclusively breastfeeding and it's less than six months since they've had their baby, generally that can be 98% effective for preventing uh, pregnancy as well. But again, we know that there are some women that do actually fall pregnant even if they are fully breastfeeding Um, and often women don't realize that they need to be on a contraceptive fairly soon after after giving birth Um, in in many cases um, because they need you know if they're wanting to space out their children um, then you know it's something that they need to have a chat about with their prescriber and, and find out what what one's best because some pills are not appropriate when you're breastfeeding can actually affect the quality and quantity of breast milk um and then there are other ones that are a little bit you know um safer um in in that time period so i suppose there are a couple of fun facts or um things to kind of keep in mind when you're thinking about contraception okay thanks for that um well i i have only been pharmacist for about two and a half years but mm-hmm. i think I feel like the most common types of contraception pill, uh, contraception method in Australia are the pill. So we got the um, two main types, I suppose, the combi pill and the mini pill. Yes. Um, Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so the combined um, oral contraceptive, so we often know it as as the COC or COCP, um, is is a combination of both an estrogen and a progestogen, and there's heaps of different variations of that. So when we talk about the pill, um, it's a bit, I suppose a bit misleading because it's not just one, there's heaps of options and they have different kind of levels of those estrogens and progestogens depending on what, Um, is needed for that woman. So they might have particular side effects or they might be experiencing symptoms that they're wanting to manage. And depending on that level, you know, we can change that and make that really effective for them. Um, Then we have what we know, what's known colloquially as the mini pill, which is a progestogen only pill. Um, And it's generally used um, in in some some particular women that might have, um, you know, certain considerations. So the mini pill is often used in women that have just given birth and are wanting to breastfeed and continuing to breastfeed because it's less likely um, to affect um, breast milk. 
Um, and so the progesterone only can also be really good for women that don't tolerate that combined oral contraceptive pill. Um, so, yeah, it just really depends on your kind of individual circumstance as to what would be best. And we're actually seeing a little bit of a move away from pills now, the, the oral contraceptive, to something that we called LARCs or long-acting reversible contraceptives. So examples of those are things like the interuterine devices, those IUDs, and some of the injectables because they're really cost-effective. They don't rely on your remembering to take a pill pill every day or within a couple of hours. So uh, the combined oral contraceptive pills generally taken once a day um, and you have a little bit of wriggle room. You know, if you forget it by a few hours, that's okay. Whereas the mini pill or the progestogen only pill must be taken within a few hours at the same time every day. Otherwise, you actually lose that contraceptive cover. So the LARCs or those long-acting uh, reversible contraceptives are actually a really good option for, for women that often forget um, um, or that have, you know, they might be on certain medications that means that their contraceptive pill doesn't work as well or, um, you know, they, they might want something that, that they don't have to think about. They might want to get an IUD put in place, um, so inserted into the uterus, and that can stay in place for from three between three to ten years. So it's a really cost-effective way. You pay one off, um, you have that inserted, and then you don't have to worry about it for years and years and years, whereas obviously with the oral pill, you've got to remember that every day. And, and there's some great apps um, that you can put onto your phone that help you remember that, but just I think it's important for women to know that there actually are other options that are probably more cost effective and in many ways more effective because they're in place they there usually aren't a lot of issues with them um, and and they kind of help um, prevent more pregnancies because they're not reliant on someone remembering to take an oral pill okay um and i suppose like every other medications the pill has their own side effects or contraindications um what what are the common ones yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's really common. And this can be really kind of worrying for women. Um, so things like um, particularly starting any new um, hormonal contraceptive, generally you're going to get side effects that almost mimic early pregnancy, which can be really worrying. So things like um, breakthrough bleeding. So um, women might notice, you know, that they have a bit of spotting, um, you know, at, at when they've generally been quite um, consistent with their cycle. Um, things like breast tenderness and feeling a bit nauseous can often happen, particularly when you're starting um, a hormonal oral or hormonal contraceptive. But often this will kind of um, start to subside within a few months um, of using a contraceptive option. Um, some more kind of obvious and concerning side effects are things like weight gain, um, developing severe acne, um, things like mood changes, and some women even actually develop depression on some, some contraceptives. So um, I think it's important that women know about these side effects and, and know to expect some of the common ones. But if they're kind of starting to experience some of those more severe ones and it's really imp impacting on their quality of life, they can go back to their prescriber and talk to them about some other options because a lot of the time we might be able to reduce like the estrogen dose in their 
their pill, for example, um, and it, and it'll help you know reduce things like nausea and breast tenderness and bloating, um, headaches, you know. And then sometimes we might want to increase the progestogen dose because that will have a different effect um, on some of those symptoms. So it really depends on the type of contraceptive. So example, you know, intrauterine device can actually cause abdominal pain because it's actually being inserted into the uterus, which can cause some, some pain and discomfort. Um, you know, women that get the injection might have an injection site reaction or, you know, the rod in the arm, you know, might cause issues, irritation issues. Um, and, and sometimes with the, some of those, particularly those LARCs, those long-acting reversible contraceptives, a lot of women don't actually get a period at all. Um, yeah. And so that can be concerning because they feel like they're constantly, you know, oh, I must be pregnant. I'm not having my, you know, my normal menstrual period. Um, and so it's just being aware of that, that those are some potential side effects. But the best thing to do is check with your pharmacist when you actually collect that that contraceptive option because they'll be able to tell you exactly and specifically what to look at for that particular contraceptive option. Okay. Um, and what the, there's a few common questions that I have always been asked and I'm sure you've been asked before as well. Um, the first one is what to do in case that you miss a pill. It's, yeah, yeah it seems so easy to forget about it. Oh, it's so easy. And that's the thing. I think for, for us as pharmacists, it's really important that we reassure when this happens quite a lot. Um, and, and it's, you know, as soon as you change your routine, um, you know, it's really easy to forget something that, you know, you generally always have first thing in the morning or last thing at night, or, you know, you might have it in your handbag, but it is really common and it's okay. You know, generally we can make sure that, that you're still having the contraceptive cover that you need. So basically missed pill so with the combined oral contraceptive pill we, we define a missed pill as one that's more than 24 hours overdue so for example if you normally take your pill at seven o'clock in the morning so you might have taken at seven o'clock yesterday morning and then it's now 10 or 11 o'clock the next day what we recommend is take that that pill as soon as you remember and then go back to your normal time frame so tomorrow take it at 7 a.m that's fine you're not going to have any side effects it's no problem if it's more than 48 hours since the last pill, um, you unfortunately no longer have that contraceptive cover. So, so if you've taken the last one at 7am tomorrow, you forget today and you get till tomorrow, um, you actually need to use a barrier method for seven days. So things like a condom or a diaphragm, just to make sure that, that you have that contraceptive cover. The mini pill or the progestogen only one um, can lose its cover within a few hours of missing it. So generally what we say is to use um, a barrier method um, for at least seven days until that contraceptive is kind of back in the system and, and doing what it needs to do. Um, but as I said, hopefully you can avoid that by having an app on your phone. So there are a few, um, but there's one that's called My Pill, and you can actually put it's not just about the pill. It's actually about all um, all of the contraceptive options. Um, and it gives you reminders um, of when to take it or when you need to have an IUD taken out and reinserted. So it's actually really useful. Um, I know some women also just put an alarm in their phone, you know, and, and an alarm yeah, when they're meant yeah. to take it. Simple. Yeah, that's right. Um, I mean, if you use calendars, you know, but, you know, a hard copy calendar or a calendar, you know, that you <laughs> use for, you know, putting appointments in, that's an, an option as well. Yep. Um, the, another common question that I sometimes get as well is antibiotic and pill. Yes. And I know that in the past there was something about, probably before I even practiced, there was something about 
antibiotic can't be taken with the pill because yeah. it's reduced efficacy. But what what's the goal now? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, when I learned, which was you know well over ten years ago now, um, we, that's right. We were taught that you know if you if women were taking a, a an antibiotic with their contraceptive pill that it wouldn't work, um, and that they needed to use additional kind of barrier methods or some other option for contraception. Um, that's actually the the recommendation there has changed. There are a couple of specific. Um, um, products that are used for infection that that will actually directly interfere with the pill, um, and I'm talking about the oral pill now. Um, so we, you know, it's it's really important that. Um, Oh, antibiotics. Yep, 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 yep. So, so it's only certain um, particular products that will actually have that direct interference, and it's more to do with um, absorption um, of the pill um, that we often see. So, you know, if somebody's on an antibiotic, it might make them more nauseous, and they might vomit or have some diarrhea, and that can affect the absorption of the pill. But generally now, um, with most antibiotics, there's no no problem at all. They can be taken together um, and, and there's no kind of issue. It would only be if you had some vomiting and diarrhoea that occurred, um, you know, when you were, you were being treated um, that could actually cause a problem. And as I said, there's only a few specific products for infection um, that, that will actually directly interfere with the pill. Okay. Um, and I think the last question, common question is um, there are some like combined uh, COC that is uh, a lot more expensive than the other one. Like mm. for example, Leflin, you probably pay like 20 bucks for yeah. packs of three. And then you've got Yasmin where you paid like $80, which mm. is a lot higher. But so a lot of people ask me what, what's the difference in terms of ingredients between those? Yeah, so so it depends on the product, but sometimes it'll have different levels of either the estrogen or progestogen. And generally, some of those more expensive ones are often used for things like um, women that are showing a lot of... Um, like androgen symptoms. So they'll have quite bad acne. They'll have really heavy periods um, that, that often aren't, um, you know, they, they, they kind of don't follow a, a schedule. Um, so, so that's generally the reason. And, and then they're not covered on the PBS, so the, the pharmaceutical benefits scheme. So that's generally why they're more expensive um, because they're, they're often used for things that are even just outside contraception um you know there's an additional reason for them being used so that's often why they're quite expensive um and as i said i mean if cost is an issue you know if you're looking at 80 dollars for you know three months supply um you know you could get an interuterine device that might cost oh, maybe a bit over a hundred dollars but that's going to last you three to five to ten years, depending on the one one you get. So the cost and and the convenience of these larks, these long acting um, reversible contraceptives, really show um, a good advantage. I mean, the biggest disadvantage with them is they need to be inserted by a trained professional. Um, whereas obviously the pill, you can just take that yourself. It's quite easy. Um, but yeah, that's something just to be be aware of. But yeah, if, if cost is an issue, um, you know, there, there are other options that will actually help with some of those symptoms as well. Okay. Um, and in terms of emergency contraceptive uh, are the options at the moment that uh, women can access in Australia? 
Yeah, so there's a couple, well, there's actually three. So there's um, a couple of options that are, are hormonal. Um, so those medications are what we call emergency contraception, and they've incorrectly been termed um, the morning after pills, which is kind of misleading because these these um, emergency contraceptive pills can be used um, between three to five days after unprotected sex. So it's, um, you know, I think it's important as pharmacists that we tell people that it's, it's not just for the morning after um, unprotected intercourse. It's it's actually, you know, you can use it for up to five days and, and prevent a pregnancy. Um, and they're, they're really effective. They're generally a high dose of, um, of a hormone to help kind of prevent um you know, implantation um, of, of an egg and, and um, a fertilised egg. So they're quite good, they're quite useful, and they can be used in combination with our other oral contraceptives um, if needed as well. So generally you'll get some of those side effects that we mentioned before. You know, you might feel a bit nauseous after taking it. Um, you might feel get a bit of breast tenderness, those types of things. But because it's a one-off dose generally, um, um, or sometimes it might be two depending on the product, um, you, you know, that you know the symptoms kind of um, kind of disappear quite quickly, which is good. And then the other option is actually a, an interuterine device, um, which is a, a copper IUD. So it's a co it's actually got copper um, in it, and and that's active in the body for preventing um, the you know sperm getting through and and um, preventing implantation. And so it can be inserted again up to five days after in, uh, unprotected intercourse and prevent pregnancy. And obviously the benefit of that one is that once it's in there it can actually stay there for up to 10 years so you've got that ongoing contraceptive cover as well and so what we often see in in pharmacy is that we'll have um, women coming in for the emergency contraceptive and it's often because they're not on another contraceptive option. So it's really important to have that conversation with your pharmacist at the time about, you know, okay, what do I go on to next and what else can I use? Um, because often it's to do with using like a barrier method, like a condom that has broken. Okay. And then they're, they're worried then about the pregnancy risk, which is absolutely something that, that they need to be aware of. Um, so I think, yeah, it's important to have that conversation and get on to a regular contraceptive if you need it, if, if that's something that's needed. Um, but obviously you need to weigh that up in your own personal circumstances because there are some reasons why some women can't be on hormonal contraceptives. But as I said, we are lucky there actually are other non-hormonal contraceptives that are an option as well. Cool. Uh, thanks for that. And I suppose uh, the last question will be, is there any other option for men? Yeah, good question. Yeah. We've been hearing probably about, you know, the men's pill um, for, I don't know, decades now, it feels like, but at least 10 years. And so there's been um, research in this space um, looking at things like combinations of synthetic testosterone and progestogen to kind of interfere with the development of healthy sperm in men to prevent pregnancy. Um Unfortunately, a lot of these aren't tolerated very well. Um, so men actually don't like them. It often can affect their, their mood and, um, you know, affect kind of, you know, and give them other symptoms. So it hasn't been very well received, which I think is why we haven't really seen it. Um, but there's actually been some um, more recent um, 
kind of advances around something called uh, reversible inhibition of sperm under guidance. So it's also known as RISUG. Um, it's a funny acronym, but that's what it is. <laughs> so basically, it's part of RISUG, um, a, a synthetic chemical is actually injected into the vas deferens, which is part of, you know, the, um, the pathway to actually get healthy sperm um, out of the penis and, and obviously delivering that um, into the uterus. So the chemical actually reacts and, and blocks the vas deferens and it kills the sperm as it comes into contact with it. Um, and it, and it's, it's effective really quickly. Um, and so in, so this is actually this is not a new technology. It's been around for like decades, um, but there's been some more recent trials and approvals um, that have come um, with this RISUG um, and they're actually now looking at um, late stage trials and it's basically RISUG is going to be um, a long-term alternative to vasectomy. Um, so that's an option. There's also, the, you know, there's um, vas deferens filters that kind of help to filter out sperm, but again, that hasn't been absolutely great. So it's, um yeah, it is really tricky and, I mean, it's something that we need to be conscious of too because we know there are men that want to manage, you know, childbearing and whether they actually um, have children as well. So um, unfortunately there's nothing that's, um, you know, a real option at this stage, but as I said, there are a couple of options in late stage trials, so we may see them um, in the next, you know, three to five years, for example. Um, but it depends depends on those trials and how they're kind of accepted and and whether they actually are, you know, getting close to that ninety eight ninety nine percent effectiveness that we often see in women's options. Um, so, yeah, hopefully we'll see something because I think it would be nice to kind of take um, some of that load <laughs> um, yeah. off of women because there are women that absolutely cannot take hormonal contraceptives. It's actually yeah. a high risk. You know, might they might be really at risk of breast cancer, for example, or, yep. you know, um, so, so it, it's good to have that option down the track. Yep, definitely. Yeah, it's, it's a work in progress and it, it's... For for many years, I think that men should take responsibility as well to yeah. a certain extent. Yeah, it should be but, shared um, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, thanks a lot for um, helping with the episode today. Uh, really insightful of information regarding contraceptions, and I hope that our listener can learn a few things about it and they can, you know, take that to talk to their health professional about different options. Um, yeah, once again, thanks for that. Thanks, Nan. It was my pleasure. All of the information provided on this podcast is for educational purposes only. If you have any questions, please see your healthcare professional.